There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. With 30 years experience, Christian de la Guetta is a sought-after spiritual teacher, personal transformation coach, and leading voice in the breathwork community. He's travelled the world, offering inspiring and transformational retreats, combining psychological and spiritual teachings with lasting and life-changing effects. An award-winning, critically acclaimed author, he's spoken on the TEDx stage and his new book, Awakening the Soul Power, was described by multi-Grammy award winner Gloria Estefan as a balm for the soul of anyone searching for the truth and answers to life's difficult questions. I truly enjoyed every connected moment with Christian and felt each breakthrough in our conversation despite the distance. There are some true light bulb moments here, so please enjoy and take as much from it as you can. Welcome, Christian, to The Ethical Evolution. Thank you so much, Bindi. I'm so happy to be here with you. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Me too, and I know this has been coming uh, for quite a while, so I'm, I'm super um, pumped to have you with me today. Now, uh, for those who don't know who you are, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, yeah I've been doing uh, personal transformation um, you know, retreats and coaching um, for the last 30 years, um, you know, up, well, up until pandemic times, I've been doing mm. retreats. Those are all on hold now for obvious reasons. Um, and so, yeah, that's what, um, drives my life, just supporting, uh, people's process of healing, um, of getting free from all the ways in which we allow ourselves to be held back by our fears and our limited thinking and the conditioning of family and society and culture and, and all that stuff. Um, so, and that's where your, your work resonates with, mm, with me. Absolutely. And, um, I, I've, as we were just saying offline, um, I've just started reading your book, um, uh, which is Awakening the Soul of Power. And um, to, to preface it, it does uh, say how to live life heroically and set yourself free, as you just mentioned. And it's it's the first of uh, one uh, one of the books in uh, your Calling the Hero series. Um, yeah. And um, as I said to you, I've just started reading it, and I it's one of those books that you can't put down. Um, super effortless to read, and uh, it really resonates with me. I, I have to say so, and I've only just started. But can you tell us? Um, a bit about your journey and why the book? Yeah, that is a really good question um, because I'm an unlikely person to be writing about mm. heroism and, and personal empowerment. 
Um, I was born in Cuba, mm. um, so lived in a communist uh, regime for 10, first 10 years of my life. Um, so, you know, as, as you know, talking about personal empowerment in one of those settings is kind of ludic- ludicrous yeah. and laughable because there is no, sh- no such thing. Only the state uh, mm. has power. Um, and also, my I was raised in a, in a very Catholic family. I'm one of nine kids. Um, and, you know, and I really honor my parents for, for, for that because there was actual possibility of danger and threat in maintaining your religion in the beginning of the revolution in those days. Mm. Um, and, but again, you know, very hierarchical power over, um, mostly patriarchal, um, relationship to power. Um, and so when we came to the States, um, I didn't speak a word of English, so it was not a fun time as I look back on that. Um, and I was a good student. It's one of the benefits of having been raised in a communist country is that we didn't, we had a TV, but there was nothing worth watching. So mm. we grew up reading and we grew up inventing and creating our own games. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, so, but but here's how, I mean, like I know self-doubt. My entire adolescence was, was one long depression. Mm. Uh, as I struggle with, you know, identity issues and where I belong and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and what's interesting, I mean, it's like having been such a good student um, that I actually subconsciously sabotaged my grade point average. Mm. Um, I had all A's except for one B my last year. And I didn't set out to do this intentionally, but looking back on it, I know that I subconsciously sabotaged it because there is no way that at that point in my life could have gotten up in an auditorium filled with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. So, so it's interesting that, that coming like flash forward mm. and I speak now all over the world, I've spoken at dozens of universities on, on the TEDx stage. And so testament that these teachings that I'm writing about and that I'm living and spousing, they actually work, mm. that, that we can actually use them to overcome and, and transcend any kind of, trauma or limitation that we have taken on along the way. Um, and so it, it works. It works. I know, I know, like I, I walk my talk. I know that if I can do this, anybody can. And today is like, no matter the circumstances of my life, no matter the, the details of my life, a relationship works out or it doesn't, um, a, a project succeeds or it fails in quotes, never, ever do I question my sense of self, my self-worth. That is, that is established and, and unshakable. Mm. And, you know, I think that's a bit of a theme um, for people nowadays is they are so concerned about what other people think. They're so concerned about, you know, everybody else but themselves and they actually give away their power in doing that. Um, Is that something that you help people through? Yes. You know, and this, you started to ask me too, like what inspired this book? And so one of, one of the inspirations for this book was my older sister. Mm. You know, all nine of us, we were pretty close in age. It was nine kids in 12 years, no twins. Um, wow. <laughs> and my, my older sister, I know my, you know, it's like, that's what I mean about the Catholic family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, further evidence that the Catholic roulette does not work. It's not very efficient. <laughs> Um, but my sister was a natural born leader. Like when we were kids, she would, she would like boss around not only the nine of us, but the entire neighborhood of like 20 kids and, and not in a bad bossy way. She would just say, Hey, let's go do that. And we would all say, okay, let's all go do that. And when she had puberty, Bindi, I don't know what happened, but she turned that off. 
I don't know if somebody told her something or whether she just picked it up through osmosis that women didn't behave that way, Mm. that women had a different role to play. And she just turned that off. And and I always found that so tragic. Um, And so what I've what I've realized over the years of doing you know retreats and workshops is that most of us have an ambivalent relationship to power, maybe even conflicted. Like part of us wants it, part of us is afraid of it. And I think that what we fear is that if we really, really stepped into our power, that other people would reject us, that would be threatened, and we might end up rejected and alone. Mm. And we also fear that we might abuse it. And no wonder, like all we got to do is turn on the news or, or read the headlines online any given day and witness at least one abuse of power. Mm. And what good hearted person wants to do that and add to the mix that we've been conditioned to believe that power is bad, that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. What they didn't tell us about that, that quote is that Lord Agden was speaking specifically about political power, mm. not personal power. And so when you when you add to that to that mix, the fact that we've also been conditioned to be afraid of the emotions somewhere along the way, somebody decided the emotions were weakness. Mm. And and especially for, you know, for guys like little boys don't cry. And it's like, wait a minute. Why is that? Mm. Because only little girls cry. And, And so we've got this misunderstanding about the feminine, like we've labeled the feminine weakness. It's mm. like, wait, wait a minute, what a faulty assumption that is. Mm. Like, if you want to talk power, um, let's talk about the power of creation, the resilience, the the, the 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 you know the ability, the courage that it takes to to create life and and to be a vessel for life. Um, and you know what used to be spiritual teaching that that everything is energy. Now we know from quantum physics that it's true. Well, that means. The body is energy. The emotions are energy. Everything is energy. Energy cannot be destroyed. And so so emotions are not good. They're not bad. They're not weakness. They're not strength. They're just energies coursing through our body. And and so when you put all that into a mix, what happens is that we end up giving away our power, Mm. our, our innate, inherent power that nobody can give to us. Nobody can take away. We are the only ones who can give it away. And and the sad part, Bindi, is that we give it away for the lamest, the saddest of reasons. We we say yes when inside we feel no for, for an illusion of security. We we sell out on our power. We we diminish ourselves for, for a false sense of acceptance and we settle for for crumbs, for morsels of pseudo-love. And and that's sad. And and it all comes from misunderstanding power. Um, and so what the message of this, of this book is that there is a way that we can step into power in a way that's not about abuse or, or that doesn't have to be corrupting, that doesn't have to be about fear or force or domination or, or hierarchy or, or manipulation, that there's a way that we can step into power that doesn't require that we push anybody down, step mm-hmm. on them in order for us to feel powerful. And, and so that's what I carry people you know, by the hand through in this book. Yeah. And oh my gosh, there were so many things came up for me there and what you just said. And, you know, really it's, it's about empowerment, isn't it? You know, like, um, you know, particularly when we look at, you know, feminine energy and feminine power, um, like that is some of the most incredible stuff. I have some very, very powerful women in my life and, you know, I just, I can see the stuff that they carry and it's just like, wow, if, if they only, 
you know, made that more visible. Like women carry so much power that we don't see. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. And it's oh just, God. yeah. And men do yeah. as well. And Yeah, men do as well. This yeah. is not to put men down in any way. No. Um, obviously. Um, to, you know, but it's, the book is for everybody, but it has a particular message for about women's empowerment. Mm. And that comes from, from my belief. Well, I would say even conviction that that is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world. Mm. And, and it's not to idealize women. It's not to put women up on a pedestal. Women also abuse power. Um, and it's certainly not to give women more stuff to do and more of a mess to clean up. Um, in this world of ours, but it's because as a world, as a species, we've been functioning so off balance, mm. so off kilter where it comes to that balance between the feminine and the masculine energies that we all have, right? You know, we're part of the universe and the universe is balanced between the masculine and the feminine. We are the only ones that repress the feminine and we've made it wrong and we turned that into weakness because of some misunderstanding and cultural conditioning. Um, and, to me, when women are in 50% of power in the world, we're going to have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger and how we treat the environment, et cetera, to all of it. So that's why I think that that is the single most important thing that that, that needs to happen in the world. Yeah, and it's it's a really good point that you make. And, and I'm, I don't mean to, like, you know, be banging the feminist drum here, but... Um, uh, you know, when you look at women in power, let's say political power or even corporate power, um, they tend to have a healing energy that comes with that. They're not here to cause destruction. They're here to actually right the balance. Um, and it's that mothering aspect that they carry with them that helps in that healing. Um, so, so you actually find their approach in, in a corporate world or even in a political world very, very different. Yes. And, and I mean, one great example is your, your next door neighbor, uh, Jacinda. Yeah. And the way that she has handled, um, you know, the pandemic, like what a difference compared to, to with balancing strength and compassion. Mm. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's what I mean by soulful power. Mm. So you know, that there is a way that we can assert our power from a place of heart that, that doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. It's like, like, like to me, when we see certain political leaders that shall remain nameless, um, you know, who have all the power and all the money in the world that you could ever want, and they are so miserable mm. and thin-skinned, um, and the slightest tweet just sends them in, into, uh, you know, into to total insecurity and overreaction, and and it's like so childish and adolescent. Mm. Um, but in a way, it's a great service for us to see that that all these external things don't mean anything, mm. that they, they cannot make us happy, and that the only thing that makes us power is within each one of us. And that's something that came up for me when I started reading your book, where you talk about slaying the dragons within. So all of us being our own hero, it's not so much about, you know, like in, in you know, cave times where you know they were they were fighting the beasts and all that kind of stuff it's now the the dragons that we're slaying within isn't it exactly mm. which which is also the the work that you take on mm. um both in in your coaching and, and with the you know, the ethical approach um in in you know corporate or nonprofit structures it's like yeah like how do we do that um how do how do we like take a stand because it's a journey of empowerment so we're not talking about you know, becoming doormats, mm. but it is understanding why we do the things we do. Um, and why do, why do we 
like, like becoming more self-aware. Like to me, that's that's those are those fighting those inner dragons. Like most of us are walking around like completely unaware of what we're doing. Like like myself, you know, like I didn't know that I subconsciously sabotaged my grade point average because of fear. I just did that. It wasn't a conscious thing. And most of us are being driven by these subconscious fears and unresolved traumas from childhood mm. that are still having an impact on the quality of our lives and the quality of our relationships. So there's no way around it. If, if we want to be free, if we want to have a sense of personal empowerment, if we want to be able to have a sense of purpose in this life and, and have, be happy, what you're talking about, which is going within and facing ourselves and, and facing our inner dragons, there's no way around it because mm. nobody else can do that for us. Nobody. That's it. And they'll just keep coming back for another fight until you do something right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, Now, one thing, you know, when we talk about empowerment and we talk about personal power, um, you know, as someone who is, you know, fairly self-assured and and confident, um, I quite often uh, find people are intimidated by me. Um, Mm -hmm. So they find me a little bit scary. um, (laughs) And, you know, I'm not that by any means. Um, Do you find that um, that's a that's a theme that people who are finding their personal power and have that confidence and empowerment are experiencing. Yeah, you know, I've been, I've been told that a couple of times too that they find me intimidating, mm. and I was like, really? <laughs> like in in my perception of myself, I'm like so not intimidating. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think people detect that. You know, so so when somebody is in touch with who we, you know, who, who with who they are, and, and are just have gotten to a point in life where, where they've figured out that we can have healthy boundaries, that we know how to say no, that we get clear about what works for us and what doesn't work for us. Um, and we're not, and we have the courage to communicate that. Um, that's for some people, you know, that might be intimidating. Um, and yet for me, that's the way that we should all be. Yeah, And that's the, that's the only way that relationships can really work if both partners are coming from that place. Um, otherwise, there's too much of a power struggle and an unhealthy um, subconscious stuff going on mm. in a relationship. And I think in reflection, it probably says more about the person who feels intimidated. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, you also do a lot of breath work, which is why I'm wearing my breathe shirt today. Um, I was wondering about if, if that was a yeah. to honor breath work. Thank you for doing yeah. that. Yeah. Now, um, can you tell us a bit about you know the the actual breath work that you do with people? Yeah, and, and that's a big conversation too, because as you know, breath work is it's a broad umbrella term. There's encompassing a lot of different breathing practices and techniques, um, and and so the type of breath work that I do. Is it's an it's an old yogic practice, but it was discovered independently in the West, in the San Francisco Bay Area, Bay Area where I happen to be visiting now, and where I used to live uh, ten years ago, um, quite by accident, by some guy Leonard Orr who was sitting in a hot tub, but was experimenting and playing with his with his breath, and then boom, had this amazing um, expanded state of awareness. Um, so, and, and I come out of the psychotherapy tradition. My dad was a psychiatrist, my mm-hmm. degrees in psychology. And I was on a track to get a PhD in psychology. And when I discovered breathwork 30 years ago, I jumped tracks. 
I mm. never went for the PhD. And, and the reason for that, Bindi, is that it works so fast mm. and heals so profoundly at so many different levels. Um, not, I don't know anything more effective in terms of clearing past trauma. Um, and I'm talking serious stuff. I work with people that, you know, experience, have experienced rape and sexual abuse and yeah. loss of, you know, like violent loss of, of loved ones and that kind of thing. And that gets cleared. It gets healed. Um, and I know that sounds too good to be true mm. because not only does it heal trauma, but it heals mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. And yes, I know to the skeptical scientific part of me, that still sounds too good to be true, even 30 years later. But I can't argue with the results. It works and it has permanent effects. And, you know, they haven't done the science yet in terms of, like they've studied a lot of meditation, what's happening in the brain, what's happening in the body. They haven't really done that with breath work yet. So the way that I can speak about it that I that makes sense to me about how it works is it, it's it's going back to what we're talking about energy and, and the emotions um, because all those emotions that we swallowed right countless times in our lives because we were afraid of confrontation or we wanted to not rock the boat too much um, and so we we swallow our truth and we don't express what really going on inside of us well, that stuff just doesn't go away. Mm. Right? Those energies cannot be destroyed. They can only change form. So they get stuck in the tissues of the body. And after years and decades of doing that, we walk around with layers upon layers upon layers of repressed emotional crap. And, and here we are, like trying to have a relationship in the present. All of it is getting filtered through that lifetime of unhealed past trauma and suppressed emotions. Like, yikes, I don't know how any relationship can work because we haven't been taught how to approach them, how to hold them. And, and, and we certainly haven't been taught how to clear ourselves of, of that repressed emotional crap, which we start dumping on each other, projecting on each other. Um, and, you know, and that energy has to come out one way or the other. So what happens is we suppress, 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 and then the next unfortunate one comes and they say something to us, they rub us the wrong way and boom, explosion. Um, inappropriate to that particular situation because we've been suppressing that stuff for so long. Or suppress, 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 that energy has to come out. And so it starts seeping out and showing up in the body as physical symptoms, as illness, mm. cancer, heart attacks, ulcers. So we've really got to get this. We've got to... Um, get in touch with our emotions and master our emotions because to do that is the opposite of weakness like to to know who we are to be in touch with what we're feeling to have the the courage to to i mean the self-awareness first and then the courage to communicate those emotions responsibly like owning that they're our emotions that that nobody can make us feel anything and, and learning how to communicate the, those powerfully and compassionately and gracefully, meaning in a way that they can be heard rather than just dumping them like a, like a two-year-old having a tantrum. Um, that's the stuff of mastery. That's like mastery level stuff. Mm. So the complete opposite of emotion. And, and breathwork is really, really good and helpful in clearing ourselves from, from that cauldron of repressed emotions. And it works and it works fast. Mm. And, you know, I, I mean, for me, my experience with breathwork other than meditation, um, years ago, I actually did like a, a Kundalini um, breathwork uh, yoga thing. And oh my gosh, 
like the places you end up, <laughs> it was just yeah. incredible. Um, you know, if you just yeah. surrender to it and just try, um, it's incredible what can happen. It's amazing because on top of the healing, as you know, as you're pointing us to, um, it, it can provide some of the most amazing, um, exquisite like experiences that I've mm. ever experienced and many other people. Like people often report you know, unitary moments, like feeling connected and interconnected to, to the cosmos, mm. being an integral part of everything. People have com- communication with loved ones who have passed. Um, people have, you know, appearances with uh, and experiences with different aspects of the divine. Uh, it's, it's just amazing that all that can happen just from breathing. Mm. But then again, if we think about the fact that in most spiritual traditions and even some secular languages, um, the same word, one word can mean spirit or breath, depending mm. on how we're using it. Mm. Um, so, so for example, from the ancient Greek pneuma, from which we get pneumonia, um, that word meant both soul and, and, and breath. Mm. And, and from the Latin spirate, that root, we get both respiration and inspiration or expiration. And in Hawaiian, ha means breath and spirit. Mm. And in fact, they have, this is an interesting thing, that they have a derogatory term for white people. It's called, they call white people howlies. And what that word means is literally no breath. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's no coincidence in any of this, is there? Like, it's just, <clears throat> it's so clear. And, you know, who needs drugs when you could just breathe? Seriously, <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah. You know, that's so funny you say that because a lot of people, a lot of people over the years have told me, you know, when, when after they do a session with me, they say, I got to that same place that I did with sacred plant medicine. Yeah. 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 It, yeah there's, I don't know, there's something in oxygen, I tell you, if you get enough of it. Um, but one of the things, um, I really loved how you explained um, how emotions and that conditioning and it becomes almost like a filter that or, or a wall that, that is built up within us that holds the real us back. That's That's kind of, I think what you were trying to explain there is that it's almost like you're trying to communicate through this filter and, you know, it gets to a point where something's got to crack, you know. And and I think it, there's a point in your book where you talk about it or, or on your website where you talk about it, all it takes is a crack, you know, um, to let spirit in. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and that's part of this. There's two things that I teach in every one of my retreats. Um, one is breath work because I've yet to come across anything, like I said, that heals as quickly and as profoundly. The other thing that I that I always talk about is understanding the ego mind. Mm. Um, because if we want to have relationships that have a chance at working, if we want to have a sense of personal empowerment, if we want to have a life that is filled with meaning and with purpose, we've got to understand the ego. And there's so much misunderstanding about the ego in the world. And, you know, we don't have the time to get into it, mm. all of it here. But here's a great, here's a great um, visual. If you put um, a football in, in the center of a stadium, mm. um, that's what the ego is. Who we are is actually the stadium. Mm. And we've allowed this tiny, tiny, infinitesimal part of who we are to think that it is all of who we are. And to make really important, critical, consequential uh, choices about our lives, about our relationships, from its very small, limited, and always fear-based perspective. So, so that's what I see when you speak about having that crack. Is is like understanding. It's like, wait a minute. 
I am not that. I am not that tiny little baseball. Um, and I mean, it's so much more to say about that, about the ways of the ego and understanding why we do the things we do so that we can break out of these patterns. Because just applying it to relationships, for example, we we get caught up in these patterns of of unhealthy patterns that sometimes we sabotage our relationships before we even get started by attracting, by falling for people who are not a match, people who are not available. They're either with somebody else or they live on the opposite side of the world or they're just not there. Mm. And and so if we want to have relationships that work, we've got to look within and to see why do we do the things we do. Right. Because it's like we were talking about earlier, most of the stuff is subconscious. So there's nothing that we can do about what we can't see. Mm. So the first step towards freedom is becoming aware. And and part of that is is that crack into consciousness. Once we understand that we're not the football, that we're actually the stadium, then that begins to open up possibilities. Mm. And that's, that puts things in perspective so well, you know, like understanding you're the stadium and not the football. Um, that really puts things into perspective. So in terms of um, transformation, Christian, what kind of change have you seen in people when they work with you? Oh, my God. So many. It's just so profound. This this week alone, I've probably, you know, I've been here three weeks. I've probably done 15 private one-on-one sessions. and um, I mean, just one story after the other. Um, Like, I mean, just a couple that come, that come to mind, not from this week, but from the past. One of my favorite stories is this woman who was in her 50s, vice president, vice president of a global um, multi, you know, multinational corporation. So like really in her power in that area, but in her personal life, she was a mess. She had mm. never had a real relationship ever. Um, and so and she had all these other kind of self-sabotaging patterns of behavior and so after doing several retreats with me and, and you know, multiple breathwork sessions, she, be, she recovered this memory that she had been sexually abused and she, you know, she'd repressed it. Um, and over the course of time, as she went deeper and healed that um, and began to, to remove her subconscious, op- subconscious obstacles to love, right? Because what happens is if we have either self-esteem issues, or if we've got fear about relationships, fear of, fear of getting hurt, fear of being cheated on, fear of being abandoned, all the stuff that relationships bring up for us, that most of it remains unexamined. So what we end up doing is like, you know, one hand, come here, and with the other one, oh, not too close, come yeah. here, not too close. And so once she started realizing why she had these self-protective mechanisms in relationship to men specifically, um, and she cleared those with breath work. I think that was on Sunday when she had her finally breakthrough and, re- and realization on Tuesday, she was having lunch with a friend and she said, Oh, I don't know why I haven't um, made this connection before, but you've got to meet my friend. So-and-so I think you guys would hit it off. Long story short. Um, I married them. Get um, out of town. <laughs> Seriously. I know. I know. And, wow. and that comes from, from removing the, 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 the stuff within us, right? The fears, the the unhealthy patterns. If we do the care that that work inside of us, which is heroic, mm. that's what we're talking about, right? Slaying those inner inner dragons. It wasn't fun for her to recover those memories. She had she had to work through that. But the reward is like incredible, right? Not only does she find freedom 
but she found the relationship of her dreams. And, and it's like an ideal, the ideal relationship. Like they, they get along great. Um, and, and it's just a pleasure to watch and it warms my heart every time that I think about them. Mm, so you must find your work so rewarding when you see such life-changing transformation for people just through things like breath work. Oh my God, Bendy, so many times. It, it really is humbling. Mm. And, and I'm glad that I don't have to choose between my, my work, my mission and, and sex but if I had to, I would, <laughs> because the, the depth of satisf- the satisfaction, the profound um, satisfaction and meaning that I get from my work, it's, it's like there's nothing like it. Nothing compares. Incredible. Well, if that wasn't the best sales pitch for breath work, I don't know what is. <laughs> I, I even want some. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Better than sex. <laughs> <laughs> and just coming back um, to your book and how you talk about a hero, um, one thing I really love that you do is um, you don't place a gender on a hero. Everyone is a hero regardless of how they identify. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and that, you know, I think that's one of the ways in which COVID, um, you know, without minimizing all the tragic parts of it, both personal in terms of health and lives and the economic economic impact, et cetera, uh, without minimizing that. But if, if we look into the surface, it has served us or it has the potential to serve us. And one of those ways is it's expanded the way that we think of heroism. Mm. Like before that, you know, for most of us, when we heard the word hero, we'd probably think, you know, either person with a cape, you know, flying through <laughs> space or superpowers or you know, like a warrior or, or a first responder or a mm. firefighter, you know, people who place their lives at risk for the sake of someone else or the sake of a greater cause. But now after the pandemic, we include our, our, our healthcare practitioners, our nurses, our docs, doctors, our respiratory therapists. And we even include, you know, like the delivery people and grocery store clerks who in the beginning really placed their lives at risk for the sake of the rest of us. And, and so then the, the, the book asked, you know, asked the question too, well, what about the rest of us? Mm. And and helps us to see that there is a hero inside each inside each one of us, and that to live life consciously is nothing less than heroic. I, I think that sometimes just living in in this world of ours and all of its challenges, uh, that that alone, just getting up in the morning and putting one foot in front of the other and taking one breath and then another, that alone can be heroic some days. Um, but the way that I write about is it's, it's a deeper way of looking at it. And, and yes, we all have access to them. Mm, yeah. And it's really, I guess, what, if you break it down simply, you, you're rescuing yourself, aren't you? Yes, you know, exactly. No, by, one, no one can rescue us. By being your own hero, you're rescuing yourself. And by yeah. doing that, there's an on-flow effect in that, you know, this is how that collective change happens is, you know, you heal yourself, you help heal others. Exactly. Mm. It's, it's a ripple effect. It's a yeah. domino effect. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Now, um, I do want to loop back to breathwork before I let you go. And <laughs> one thing I do want to ask you is um, what is a simple exercise that anybody can do if they want to just, you know, if they've got five minutes, they want to do a little bit of breathwork um, by themselves to sort of help them through their day? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great, so here's a, I mean, there's a lot of different breathing techniques. Many of them are for uh, relaxation, for managing stress, for sleeping better, those kinds of things. And it's really good for that. 
Then there are other ones that are like faster, more dynamic that are for focusing. There's some that I do, you know, right before a meeting or right before a podcast. Sometimes if I need to bring my energy up, um, there's some that are really good for that. But I think most of us deal with stress and, and particularly in these, in these times of, of pandemic where there's so many unknowns um, that I, let's go with one of those. So, I mean, it's as simple as slowing down the breath. Mm-hmm. Because if we notice, you know, connecting it back to the emotions, when we get upset, whether it's anger or fear, when emotions come up, the first thing we do is shut down the breathing, right? Or we either stop breathing or we just like breathe really shallow breath just up to our throat, uh, just the bare minimum. And, and that's what actually anchors all those emotions in the body. So one thing that to remember is like the, if, if your audience remembers nothing else, when they start getting upset, whether they're stuck in traffic and start getting frustrated or, or right before they're, you know, they're, the argument's about to go south, pause mm. and deep and slow down your breathing. Just slow it down. As simple as that. That changes everything. There's swamis in India that have that much control over their body that they can tell their hearts to slow down. And they do. Like they can actually, some of the mimic states that are so relaxed that they're practically indistinct, indistinguishable from death. So they're like death-like states. Most of us aren't there yet and we'll probably never to master our bodies that much. But anybody can slow down the breath. Anybody. All it takes is, is the awareness and the choice and a little bit of discipline. But it's, it's, it's easy to do, right? So if we slow down the breath, the heart has no choice but to slow down. Mm. It has to slow down. Mm. When the heart slows down, the whole body begins to, to also slow down and relax, and the nervous system begins to quiet down. So, so, but, but it takes that moment of awareness, right? If, if we wait a little bit too long, it's, it's, we, go, it's, we just go over the waterfall. So we have to nip it at the beginning, right? Right at, at the first signs of, like, say, going with the upset. Like, what, what does it feel like? We all know what it feels like. We're, we're, we're about to, to get upset. You know, the, the heart starts beating faster. We get flushed. Our hands get sweaty. We stop breathing or, or start breathing shallowly. That's a moment of choice, right? It, it, before it's too late, pause, slow down your breath. Buy yourself some time. Hey, hey, Bindi, I really want to get through this. Um, but I can't do it right now. I'm going to go sit by the water. I'm going to go walk around the block calm myself down and then I'll come back and we'll continue, but I can't do it right now. Right. Buy some, buy some time until you can calm yourself and then think clearly mm. and come back and, and complete the conversation. Yeah. And there's many people who say to me that, <laughs> cause it's the first piece of advice I give to people when either they're stressed or upset is just, just breathe, slow down yeah. and breathe. And there's, there's friends of mine who say to me, I can hear your voice in my head just saying, just breathe. <laughs> and um, to the point where, yes, I have the shirts. I've even got a tattoo on my arm that reminds us to breathe and how important it is. And I do share this quote quite a lot. And I think it is a, a little bit of a, a modification from a, a quote from Buddha um, or, or Gandhi, actually. Um, it's the first thing we do when we're born and it's the last thing we do when we die, but it's the breaths in between that count. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and that's so such a beautiful connection to the breath because it's true. The breath is our most loyal, our most faithful companion on this journey of life, on this journey of embodiment. And it's the, the true point of self-awareness because if you're not even aware of the oxygen going in and out of your body, um, you, you're completely out of touch with yourself. That's it. Mm. 
That's it. The oxygen and, and the, the life force. Mm. Prana, chi, ki, the, the energy that animates all of life in, in creation. Mm. Now, um, one question I love to ask guests, Christian, is what does being ethical mean to you? Hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I, guess, I guess ethics to me means about knowing right from wrong, right? It's, it's about how do we live a, our values or how do we live a, a moral life? Um, and I've done a lot of thought about this um, because as a gay man, having been born in a, in a Catholic religion, um, and the, there was part of me who wanted to be a priest, who wanted to to serve the sacred as I understood it then. Um, and yet there was, you know, I was being told by the religion in which I was raised that I was going to, that I was anathema, that I was going to burn in hell for eternity. So how to, how to reconcile that? That explains for, you know, for the most part, the, the, my, why my adolescence was so confusing and, and one long depression. Uh, but the benefit of that is that yeah, so that you know, we have because we're we're outsiders, and and less so now, but still, you know, it's a certain smaller percentage, whether it's three percent or ten percent, who knows, um, of the population, and and there's still so much judgment and and injustice and oppression throughout the world. Um, but one of the benefits of that is that because we are outside of the rules, outside of the system, we get to make those choices for ourselves. Right, we have to decide what's right and wrong. And for me, is like, am I going to base my my perceptions of what's right and what's wrong on, on texts that were written two thousand years ago or longer that have been translated and mistranslated and retranslated and taken out of their cultural and historical context? And am I going to base my my moral uh, judgment on on you know, on a, when they were written at a time where women weren't even human? Women women were property. Mm-hmm. It's like. I'm not. I don't. But, but then, if we don't, how do we how do we navigate navigate that question um, about what's right and, and what's wrong? So I've come up with this kind of I mean different systems, and we don't have a lot of time to get into that. But I've I've I think there's like a a progression of of ethics or a progression of morality. I think that we start with fear, like like we do or not do something because of fear, either fear that we're going to get kicked out and divorced or end up in hell. Uh, and then as we evolve a little bit more, it, it becomes kind of karma, mm. right? Well, I'm not going to do that because it's going to come back to me. Um, or I'm going to do that because it's going to come back to me, right? So it's a little bit more evolved, but it still has a little bit of fear in there. Um, and then I think to me that the deepest level of of navigating morality or navigating um, ethics, it's what I call the namaste morality, right? Like, you know, like... If, if I really see the goodness in you, the sacred in you, the highest and the best in another one, how can I steal from you or harm you or rape you or, or invade your country? How can I do that? Right. Because we, we, that takes us to the level of the stadium in which we are no longer separate by this individual separate um, ant you know, ant-sized personalities, and we begin to experience life as interconnected with not only other humans, but with all of life. And so at that level, how can we harm each other? Like we're harming ourselves. Mm. Uh, so anyway, maybe that's, maybe that was too much, too, too much for you to answer your question. Oh, no, I absolutely love it. And, and there's no wrong answer. 
there's absolutely no wrong answer to that question. And I just love people's perspectives of of what ethical means to them. And yeah, wow, that took us to a whole other place. <laughs> <laughs> now, Christian, yeah. if people want to find out more about you and get in touch, how can they do that? Well, let's see. My my website is called is uh, soulfulpower.com. Um, and from there, they can access my social media. Uh, so, yeah, for anybody who's listening, uh, will go to soulfulpower.com. For your audience, we'll, we'll send them a list of, and they get on my email list, which we know how easy it is to just click unsubscribe if it doesn't work for you. Uh, but just by virtue of getting on the, on the email list, they'll get uh, a sample chapter from the book and one that talks about heroism, what, what, you know, what it means to live heroically in the 21st century. Um, and they'll get some power practices that are designed to integrate some of the concepts into our lives because so that the teachings and the concepts don't stay at the level of information because we don't need more information. We've got information overload. Mm. What we need is transformation. And that comes from like really applying and integrating the teachings into our lives. And that, that's what those practices are designed to do. And then they'll also get a, a guided meditation um, that I recorded but particularly for, for these pandemic times. So it's about trust and, and supporting us to, to I mean, t- teaching about what trust is. And so the guided meditation is about helping people get into that level of trust. That's that experience of trust in these times of chaos and uncertainty. Awesome. And um, I've got the last big question for you, Christian. <laughs> What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's a big question too. All right, here's here's how I think about all this um, and, and what drives me. And it's paraphrasing Einstein, that you can't solve a problem from the same level of consciousness in which it was created. So, you know, when I start thinking sometimes about all the problems that we're facing, we're, we're, you know, that any one of them, um, just environmental crisis, just one thing like that, not to mention terrorism or the, you know, polarization, et cetera, you know, social injustice, uh, hunger, war, all these things, like any, any one of them is completely overwhelming. So, but when I think about, oh my God, how are we going to deal with any one of these, not to mention all of them? Um, and I think, you know what, it's, it's the only way that we're going to dig ourselves out of this hole that we have dug ourselves into collectively has to be a leap in consciousness, a spiritual revolution, for lack of another word, um, because we, it has to be that we pull ourselves out of the hole and we see ourselves and each other and and life and the world from a different perspective, and and so that's what that quote means to me. You know that we are in in at the same time that all this incredibly scary stuff is happening at this time that there are also a lot of good news and there, there, there are a lot of people that are waking up and beginning to realize that interconnectedness, beginning to realize that, that, that stadium uh, interconnecting consciousness and the, the fact that we're all interconnected. And, and, and that's, by the way, that's another way in which the pandemic is helping us to see that, wait a minute, the only way we're going to conquer this is by all of us working together because with globalization mm-hmm. and traveling the way it is, it's like, until everybody's got it knocked out, it's going to still continue um, mutating. Mm. Uh, so, so anyway, that's that's what it, that's what drives my work. How how can I support that global awakening? Um, and so now sometimes I think when I, like when I get overwhelmed, it's like oh my god, what am I going to do about 
what can I do about the environment? Or what can I do about terrorism? What can I do about a pandemic? And then I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to chill out and go to the beach and eat a lot of dark chocolate and have a lot of sex. And, and then I said, you know what? Chill out, dude. Slow down. Pull myself back. I reel myself back. And I said, right, what can I do? And the answer is always the same, right? Continue to heal myself and wake myself up. Continue to remember as much as I can who we really are and help as many people as possible to do the same, right? All right, that I can do. I will do that. Yeah, and this is why the universe has put you and I here right now because, um, you know, that's the whole mission of the ethical evolution is that, you know, we are one by one getting that consciousness and we are one by one being the change we need to see in the world. So mm. it all starts with us. Without yes. us changing, nothing else changes. Amen, sister. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah. So, so thank you. I mean, thank you for um, not only for having me on the show and I've loved our conversation and I know you and I could continue talking for a long time um, and hopefully we will one day, but also thank you for, um, for hosting the show because of what you just said, that in your willingness to, to, to do this, it's that ripple effect. Many yeah. people are being impacted and being reminders like, Hey, wake up. Mm. We need you. Mm. Yeah, and which is what you say in the book, you are the help, right? So, <laughs> yeah. um, look, Christian, like you said, I could talk to you all day. This has been absolutely magic. Thank you so much for being a part of The Ethical Evolution. Thank you. Thank you, Bendy. Thanks for listening to The Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electricast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.